there's so much, I don't know, fear, so much possibility, so much just latent potential. I think when we're in those transition moments of letting go of someone like we've been talking about here, like in the spiritual sense, but in, in, you know, in any area of life, letting go of an identity, letting go of a career path in order to move towards something new. It's a crazy wild thing. And um, wanting to highlight those kind of transitional moments and hear how people thought about those, navigated those and lessons along the way. Podcast Junkies episode 313. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Newcomers to the show. Thank you so much for finding it, for discovering it. This is the one where we search out interesting voices in podcasting and get them to kick back their heels, talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. If you are a regular listener, then I appreciate the work that you're doing to help support this show, keep the show going. It's been a labor of love since 2014. I can't believe that next year will be the 10 year anniversary of this show. It's pretty wild to think about. I've had so many fascinating conversations. It's opened up so many doors. It's led to me starting my agency. It's led to me starting a second show, The Vertical Farming Podcast, which some of you may or may not know about, which I do every week as well. If I really stop to think about it, I don't even know if I can imagine what my life would be like without podcasting. I was clearly on the nine to five hamster wheel and for better or for worse, got pushed out of my last job and it sort of forced me to take that entrepreneurial jump which started with this show which led to my agency and I can't imagine what would happen if I hadn't taken that leap. My goal when I started was to do a weekly show and that's waxed and waned over the years. Some months have been more challenging than others and to think about it it's a lot of work to put a podcast together as anyone who is a podcaster themselves knows but there's definitely joy and happiness that I feel when I look at these scheduled conversations on my calendar, some new faces, some old friends. And I know that with a focus on curiosity, a focus on learning more about these folks and digging deeper to have meaningful conversations, I always end up having a good time. I always feel better after these conversations. So if you've ever been on the fence, if you don't even have a podcast and you've been enjoying the podcasting medium and thinking about starting your own show. I'm so adamant that it's important to find your voice. And, you know, your first episode is not going to sound that good. You're not going to like the sound of your own voice, but your 10th sounds better than your first. Your 50th sounds better than your 10th, your 100th better than your 50th, and your 300th better than your 100th. Maybe I'll let you be the judge of that. So just pausing here to take a, a look back at all the work that's being done and really excited about a renewed focus on quality conversations. I've got a couple coming up with a longtime listener, Timothy Kim O'Brien, Kate Chiricello, who I was introduced to, and JG Flazanes. Three great conversations, and respectively, each of them for a different reason. And I can't wait to share those with you. If you are loving this show, I'd love it if you leave a rating and review, if you have not done so already, at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. We're overdue for some reviews, folks. So I'd love to read yours out on a future episode. If you have been following the podcast in 2.0 space, I'm happy to report that our podcast host, Captivate.fm, now supports podcasting 2.0 and Value for Value. If you don't know what that is, I highly suggest you check out valueforvalue.info, and that's the number four, so value, the number four, value.info to learn more. What's been fascinating to watch in terms of the work Adam Curry and Dave Jones are doing is that 
There are now 4 million creators indexed, which is the podcast index themselves, and 12,696 shows now have value enabled on their show. So it's going to be a long time before it crosses the threshold of something that people talk about on a regular basis. But if you want to support your creators and you are a podcaster yourself and want to have that one-to-one connection with your listeners, I highly encourage you to check it out. Value for value, the number four, valueforvalue.info. Okay, before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with Dan, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. And as a reminder, if you are looking to partner with a podcast whose super niche focus is on folks in the podcasting space and the services that are of value to them, reach out harry at podcastjunkies.com. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Dan Cumberland, host of The Meaning Movement, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited to be here with you. You've got some really great mood lighting going on. I'm trying to do some theater of the mind stuff for our listeners. <laughs> At some point, we do record video, and I have a long to-do list of getting the video on to YouTube this year, so I've got to paint the picture for listeners for now. <laughs> well, we've decided to take the podcast to YouTube, and I was like, well, yeah. we're going to do it. We need to do it all the way. I still haven't like fully embraced my identity as a YouTuber. Like, that still feels <laughs> really, like It feels clunky. We're still, I think, very much like audio first, but yeah. want to at least look better. So how's that experience been moving to YouTube and what have been some of the bumps along the way? Yeah, I mean, it's just added layer of complication. The major change is just in how you edit, you know, moving yeah. from just using audio processor, you know, workstation to something that does both. We moved it to Descript as our primary yeah. editor for that, which works well. And I think there's like so many things that I feel like I want to change to really be able to say that I'm a YouTuber, you know, like I will record my intros, usually kind of batch my intros separate from the interview. Mm-hmm. And so then like, you know, the lighting's different because I have windows in my office and like usually wearing a different shirt or whatever. And like, I've been fine with that. Like um, clearly yeah. I've got a haircut between the two times I record, you know, like I'm fine with that, but I'm also like, yeah, it probably would be smoother to have a different, you know? So I feel like you kind of just have to take it one step at a time. You just kind of yeah. keep iterating and keep improving. I think what's interesting, and this is what I find fascinating about this show, because it's as meta as it can get. It's a podcast where I interview other podcasters. But I think it's been helpful for a peek behind the curtain because I launched in 2014 and I just wanted to hear about in the beginning, maybe like their setup and what they talked about and how they what their experience was guests. But over time, I'm always looking forward to something like going wrong within the conversation because I'm going to leave it in like (laughs) just as a talking point, just as a point of like, this is how things break. It's true. No, this is the real world of podcasters. Like when some it. when a dog jumps into like the guest's lap, I'm like, wait, gotta know what's the dog's name? Like, because they're trying to like it. keep the dog at bay during the conversation. Like, shh, shh. and I'm like, no, like this is like you know we've seen the videos of like folks throwing a blanket over their head or recording an audio in a closet, and yes, I think yes. it's helpful. And especially during the pandemic, we're not all NPR. We couldn't get to a studio, so everyone was kind of make do with what they could do at home. And I think it's just a wake up call, and also encouraging for other folks getting started. So I just I'm just that to say that you know showing all the warts sometimes is fun. I agree, and I think the longer I've been in business, the more comfortable I've been, and just saying like I don't have it all together. I'm kind of a hot yeah. mess, and like you know 
And I feel like maybe it feels like hopefully entrepreneurship you know, culture is kind of moving that way towards like build in public and just like, you know, share your lessons yeah. along the way and, you know, for better and worse. And so I'm a big fan. I think this idea of build in public is really picking up steam, which I love a lot. There's some projects that I've been working on in the no code side. And I was doing build in public stuff, even yeah. the setup. Like if you do the comparison of like your beautifully lit background in my like no, no, of having light behind you, like light box yes. effect with like a half a curtain drawn. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> it works though. It works. It's like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if it's an engaging conversation with, yes. you know, like that's what matters the most. And the rest is yeah. just icing on the cake. I always like to roll out the welcome out to the listener because I always feel like I want to make them feel comfortable and not feel like we're talking to them or down yes. to them or like we're better than, you know, it's just, just like we're in a bar. And they yeah. just pulled up a stool and just listened to us have this conversation. I love that. That's something that just has stood out to me as I was listening, you know, just kind of getting into the mindset to jump on with you. Just, I love yeah. how you talk to the listeners and how you kind of connect the dots between shows and past shows. Like, I feel like very much ushered into the episode. So I got a chance to listen to a little bit of conversation with Alex Sanfilippo, who's a friend of mine as well. Yeah. And he's always <laughs> engaging. He's nonstop. I don't know if you've ever seen him in person, but he's at the conferences and he's just like, I got to go meet this guy. And I got to have a meeting with this guy. I, I believe it. This guy. <laughs> I've <laughs> not met him in person, but I could totally see that in him. Just but like, coming from his background of where he worked and stuff like that, yeah. it's been fun to see that yeah. energy. And then you've had uh, Ronsley on, Dr. Melvin Varghese. Yeah, I've gotten pretty close with, he and I chat a lot about LinkedIn. We're both yeah. doing a lot on LinkedIn together. And so we're messaging a couple times a week back and forth. So it's been really fun and to listen in to, to that conversation with you. So I'm a huge fan of origin stories. I'm curious when podcasting came on your radar. Oh man. Yeah, this is great. Podcast. So there's two, it was kind of a two pronged approach to podcasting first. And this is very much a part of my whole journey. I started the meaning movement as a way to help people broadly figure out what to do with their lives. More mm -hmm. recently, that's really been, you know, nuanced further into helping entrepreneurs, you know, build businesses that we can love, find fulfillment and purpose, you know, in the journey. I had no idea how to start a business though. I was like, I knew I wanted to reach everyone. I wanted to reach the world. So I started a blog and was like, I have no idea about blogging. And what year is this? This was, well, I started 2012, 2013. Yeah. So 2012, 2013, the kind of that fall between those two years when yeah. I first bought the domain, got this, you know, figured out how to do WordPress, which was so confusing when you've never been in there before. And then did an internship with a team that was doing SEO and was like just a way to like just learn from what they were doing. They had this way to bring interns in, you'd build a site with them and they were trying to like build these niche sites, which was like, mm. you know, big things at the time. Yeah. But then this is kind of, this might be getting into the weeds. It was like <laughs> right when Google had introduced like a sandbox period, like right after I started. So the new sites couldn't rank within the first six months or something like mm. that. And so they were like, well, for what we're going to do, we're going to look at all other ways to get traffic. Why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, great, I'll start a podcast. I had no idea okay. how to do that. And so I was doing that for that project. It was called Startup with Kids. It's now okay. long defunct. And shortly thereafter, so I did that for a few episodes and then we kind of wrapped up that internship. And then I was trying to figure out what to do next with the meaning movement and put in a question to Pat Flynn on his one day business breakthrough, this podcast that's also now long oh, yeah. defunct. It was like one of the first episodes and he like, you know, played the audio and then like, you know, basically people ask a question and he responds to it. And he was like, man, this guy has just such great energy. You've got to start a podcast. And he gave me like a bunch of other stuff, but I'm like, well, if Pat Flint tells you what to do. You can't not do it. <laughs> Pat made me do it. Yeah. 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 So I can kind of say that. And I've, I've been like dying to like have a chance to like tell him that, you know? 
someday. That'll or be one. Post, post it on the, Twitter the or something. Of my story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then I, I started, you know, it was probably by the time I actually started it was 2015 sometime or so sometime okay. in there. Yeah. My oldest son is seven and okay. I think we were just expect him, I think when I first started. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I date the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why the topic of meaning? Why is that important for you? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, the simple version is like, I've struggled with that my whole life. And I mean, I could say, yeah, literally my whole life, I could tell you the story, although going back to my you know family of origin and feeling like I, you know, didn't really fit the mold in some ways with my family. My mom's an accountant. My dad's an engineer. My brother now is a computer programmer and, you know, and I'm a creative, I'm an artist, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's like very analytical minds. And then there's me who is kind of all over the place. But then moving forward with that is like, you know, through college and post-college, like really struggled, had a really hard experience right after college, was in ministry, was a youth pastor for a few years. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, both like really great in some ways, like great student community. I love mentoring and, you know, helping people become, you know, who they're made to be, but also just a square peg in a round hole. Mm -hmm. And so then coming out of that, basically felt like my whole life kind of unraveled on me because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. I was my calling yeah. with a capital C. And so then to question that is the kind of to question everything. And that led me to grad school following the one thread that I felt like I could follow, which was meaning and purpose. Like, I don't know what to do with my life, but I know that this piece matters to me. So I'm going to follow that and see where it takes me. So I did an interdisciplinary degree around theology, psychology, culture, and formation. And through that program, again, it was just kind of like felt this confirmation, like, yeah, I just get juiced up about like these conversations and want to have more of them, want to figure out some way to do something with them. And so then, and that's, I guess, through that also, it was kind of a process of me owning the fact that like, I think I just like starting things and that's okay. And I like to have lots of irons in the fire and like to have projects going on, like just how I am in the world. And that's okay. If not okay, but also like good. And so then coming out of grad school, thinking about like, where do I put this thing, <laughs> this energy around these ideas? You know, so then it was like, well, let's build a blog. Let's try to reach more people. A lot of the people like that I knew going through that program, a lot of people were going into therapy and things like that, like doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. And I like, I want to go bigger. I want to reach more people. And so the blog, then podcasting, like a one-to-many kind of um, avenue just felt right in those ways. Do you feel that looking back at those experiences and seeing where you are now and where you're headed, has it changed this idea of having a calling into a new perspective where it's almost like you still have the calling, but it's different than what you thought it was back then? Yeah. Oh, man, that is such a good question. In a lot of ways, like how I think about this, especially that word calling has changed a lot, a lot less emphasis on the capital C calling and more on like, you know, how I would define it today is that people are made to do something, right? We're made to be ourselves. And when words like vocation, words like calling are ways to talk about the actualization of that or putting that into the realm of work or using our agency, our ability to create change, right? In a meaningful way that's in alignment with who we are. And so that's some of how I've really thought about it, how I think about it now. When I kind of first started down this path, it was a lot of kind of like stripping back. And I honestly don't even use the word calling that often in my work because it has so much baggage. And I think especially for people that have like a religious background, faith background, yeah. it can take on like a lot of weight that like yeah. God told you to do this thing and you Shoot. must do it regardless. And that's where I was, God, yeah. right? Yeah, like it doesn't matter that it like, it doesn't matter that it doesn't feel good. You have to go do it, right? And I think that's really the opposite of, you know, what I believe at this moment in time, what it really means to live into a calling. It's to live into yourself and live into 
you know, mm. space that feels good and feels at home in the world. Yeah, it's this idea of being comfortable in your own skin. Well said. And also being comfortable sharing your journey and also your relationship to, you know, things that fall on a wide spectrum when it comes to religion and spirituality and woo yeah. and <laughs> however yes. you want to address those. I mean, I grew up Catholic and so even you know, was confirmed and baptized and all that sort of stuff and then went away from that and now came back at it from a spiritual perspective. Yes. And so that's been almost like a 25 journey for me since I discovered Buddhism and then just went, you know, new age gets into far down the rabbit hole. Yes, <laughs> which, yes. Which most of my friends are people that have seen me online now. I'm curious for you how your relationship with your faith or just trust in yeah. the universe or whatever you yeah. want to call it, how that's, that's a great shifted over time yeah. where it stands now. That's a great question. I love that. I'm kind of moved by that question. I cry a lot. So just if, that, if this goes that way, oh, then, then no, just know fine. that that's, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> I think I'm really moved by that question because it feels really good in this context and really surprising in this context. Like I didn't expect this conversation to go that way. And it's really fun. I think that it's gone from questioning everything and saying like, I mean, a lot of anger at God and the, the idea of God, but still like a lot of grasping to like want to hold on to something. And like, I grew up Christian and very evangelical, very, you know, often very conservative not like ultra conservative Christian. And so then there was a lot of like, okay, there's a lot of things that I don't want to return to, right? Like, but I want to hold on to something. And for a long time, I kind of just set those questions aside and didn't really want to engage with them at all. And then it feels like over the last, really last few years, I think really kind of coinciding with having kids. My oldest, you have three kids, seven, four, and two. Having kids makes you, you know, think about the world differently. And it's like, what is the story that I want them to hear about yeah, reality, yeah. you know? And so then those questions need to matter more. At least that's how I felt with it. And, and so it's kind of brought me back full circle in some ways. And I've taken a lot of cues, made a lot of peace with, I think, this part of the journey from Krista Tippett from On Being and how she talks about herself as being Baptist, even though like, you know, maybe not in the very classical sense. And that's, I think, really her leading, following her examples kind of like led me to like feel like, okay, I still call myself Christian, but I hold that very loosely and I hold yeah. everything. I hold all of it, you know, in a much, much looser hand. So maybe to even just to use that metaphor, it felt like I kind of set everything down and then maybe picked something back up, but I'm not holding on to anything that tightly as much as, you know, if my parents listen to this, they might be freaking <laughs> out a little bit right now. But yeah, I mean, that's how I think about it at this moment. Yeah, it's helpful to have that context. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being open and vulnerable, I think. We need more of that because, you know, we sort of alluded to it earlier, this facade that we put forward of like, this is like, my life is perfect and yes. like, I have everything figured out and a clear relationship with, you know, whatever's out there, whatever you want to call it. And, and I have all the answers figured out. And I think yes. it seems to tie in closely with this idea of finding meaning mm. and which leads to the podcast, but also like the meaning in life. And then as yeah. a parent, like how you let your kids almost come to those conclusions on their own because our generations yeah. like we were spoon fed like this is what this is it. you know it is it this is all yeah. there is until you that one day when you see outside or beyond the curtain you're like oh no that's not all there is yeah. and you're like, my perspective of what i thought life yes. and order was you know it gets a little shaken up and i think this idea of giving you know your kids agency over their own choices and their ability to yeah. make their own decisions and teaching them those skills sooner rather than later, I think is very important. 
Yeah, thank you. And it is challenging too, because like the way I just answered that question is like, it's not, it's muddy, right? Like it's not black and white. And yet kids' minds like aren't necessarily able to hold the complexity and they're not able to, to, to hold, you know, dualities and things like that. And so even to like give answers when they ask a question and also acknowledge that there's more to it than that is felt like that's some of what the work has been so far. But I feel like what I have to do is invite them on a journey, like to say that this is going to be your own journey. Like, here's what we believe. Here's how we think about it. And also like, you're going to have to you know find your way. So, yeah. and hopefully I'll be there to help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to scrolling my phone. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting, especially coming from a religious background, when you go through those moments of, you know, what some people call dark night of the soul yeah. or, you know, whatever, it's like the valleys, mm -hmm. not having like something to grasp onto or even someone to curse out when you're like, why am I here? Like, <laughs> just, yes. it's interesting to have that relationship and come to, you know, my perspective, what I believe is I'm a like a soul who decided made a decision, conscious decision to incarnate here to mm. create and experience what it's like to be a human being. So yeah. rather than, you know, the idea of human beings have a spiritual experience, I consider myself a spiritual being having a human experience. Oh, that's fascinating. I love yeah. that. That takes me to yeah. all kinds of places. I'm going to have to think <laughs> that one. Yeah. So, you know, I love painting that perspective and yeah. just kind of where you were in your life. And then yes. this idea of starting the show. Yeah. How did you think about who you wanted to bring on the show and what types of conversations you wanted to have and, yes. you know, and how deep were you prepared to go in the beginning with these guests? Oh man. And this is like an ever evolving question. Like we're about to wrap up this current season of the show and which has gone through, this has been through a transition over the last six months and will continue to transition. And like, that's a big question is like, okay, when we approach our next season, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but like, again, it feels like we're always kind of just tearing it down and then rebuilding. But broadly, this show started with just wanting to hear just the twists and turns of career stories. Broadly, you know, the question like, how did you get into that? And, you know, what are all the journeys? that you know the twists and turns the choices that you made the surprises along the way and to hear like especially the transitions and i think i've always been just really curious about transitions because there's so much i don't know fear so much possibility so much just latent potential i think when we're in those transition moments of letting go of someone like we've been talking about here's like in the spiritual sense but in, in you know in any area of life letting go of an identity letting go of a career path in order to move towards something new it's a crazy wild thing and um, wanting to highlight those kind of transitional moments and hear how people thought about those, navigated those and lessons along the way. And so that's kind of been some of the guiding question you know, that I've tried to have, you know, the conversation I've tried to have with folks over the years. How do you decide who to invite onto the show? There's so many ways. Ideally, it's like this person's interesting and I'd like to hear more, you know, from them. Sometimes it's also just been like, you know, who like here getting recommendations from listeners, from guests. We did an, an experiment, which I don't know, I feel like was kind of a failed experiment. You can't call it a failed experiment. It was an experiment. The thesis proved to be invalid. How about that? The <laughs> hypothesis like that. proved to be invalid. So um, if that's like a failed that. experiment, yeah. that's a failed experiment. But in the fall going with a show of like let's just say yes to a lot of guests but then have different criteria for them i just launched video snap and so i was like well what if we do in order for someone to come on the show we ask them to jump through some hoops to be on the show so then we broaden our definition of who we're bringing on the show knowing that like i think i can have a pretty productive conversation with a lot of different people but in order to do that they need to do a promotion of video snap or something else related to you know to the meaning movement didn't work at all because 
like for people that weren't at all bought into like what I was doing. And so the people that did do something were like, it was so half-hearted that it like, it yeah. was like, I got a click. We got one <laughs> click from all of that. And so, but then moving forward, what we're really thinking about and some of the transition over the last year has been going from, okay, let's, this is a show about fulfillment and meaning and how people have navigated those questions in career to really thinking about like applying those same questions, but to entrepreneurs and how we're building businesses and how are we thinking about fulfillment and success in our businesses, which has been very purposeful in helping us find a more clear demographic that we're trying to reach a, a listener that we're trying to speak to. And I know this is like business 101, but it's just taken me seven years to get here. And uh, you know, that's just been my journey. So now that we have more of a clear demographic, and I say we, because I've also brought on a co-host, Raj Lula. He's done a co-hosted episodes with me, but moving forward, he'll be a much more frequent co-host. And he and I have been strategizing around all of this a lot, but thinking through, you know, it's not about, you know, just having interviews and, you know, making those interviews productive, but like, what's the journey that we want to take our listeners on and what is the best way to accomplish that journey? So what's the best way to meet the needs of the listener and then working backwards from that to format. And then also how do guests fit in, do guests even fit in to that format, which will be ultimately more of like topical conversations and less of like broad, you know, far reaching interviews. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the many iterations uh, over the years. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a reminder to the listener that there's no one path. And I like the fact that you brought up the hypothesis that didn't work. I'm, I'm a big fan of failing forward, you yeah. know, getting up quick and figuring out what didn't, didn't work. And it's that entrepreneurial mindset that you have that you didn't realize it's a skill set you need to learn <laughs> when you yes. get started because the first failure is like, oh, I suck at entrepreneurship. You know, I, I got to go back to getting a real job. And you realize, oh, no, this is part of the journey yes. you know, to keep going through that. How have you grown as a host in starting mm. the show? I remember my, the very first episode, it was like, a, this is what the show is going to be about for that Startup With Kids podcast. So that one that, you know, that predated the meaning movement. I was like so amped up and it like... I should try to see if I can find that file anywhere. Cause I was like, you know, just like, just totally like on a, like just adrenaline pumping through my veins. I was like, just recording this. I'm going to publish it. And people are going to, you know, like, ah, like so much. And I'm already like kind of a fast talker and a little bit like anxious. And I think in a positive way, but like, I know I bring a lot of energy to conversations. I've gotten a lot more grounded in my, yeah. How I show up a lot more confidence in less anxiety in like Where's the show going to go? Much less attached to like specific questions or having a roadmap and much, I think just better at like asking the good question and listening. And I know I've heard you talk about this with some of your guests, yeah. like just how important it is to like listen for the questions that you might miss otherwise and how mm -hmm. you never do it perfectly, but like, you know, when just something emerges and it's like, yeah, that's the direction we need to go next. And so I think just listening to the guests and then like listening to myself in the conversation, I think I've gotten a lot better at that, which is just a long, fancy way of saying, I think I've gotten better at interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> How much prep are you doing now for guests? Not as much, though, in our next iteration, probably a lot more. And so, and what that will probably look like is like a planning call with each guest of okay. some sort. Even if it's just like, you know, we're going to talk for 10 or 15 minutes to kind of structure things before, like, but I think because like the conversations, you know, we're going to want to dig into people's, you know, burnout stories or, yeah. you know, 
like specific things that are intimate. And like, I think that that those will take a little bit more of a lift, but beyond that, you know, if it's someone who has a body of work, you know, a book or podcast or, you know, other things, you know, YouTube channel, whatever, I'll usually will try to take in as much as I have time for so that I can have a more educated interview. But beyond that, you know, not a ton. I'm not like, you know, digging into the archives of people's you know, <laughs> days and Trying to histories. come up with some obscure reference or childhood yes. friend that's like yes. hired. <laughs> I wish. I mean, that would be really fun. <laughs> yeah, Susie from third grade says yes. hi. Like, and she's still you know, tragically sad over that breakup, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your mom's hairdresser told me that when you were a kid. <laughs> I've heard that. I think Tim Ferriss used something like that. Oh, man, that's good. Talk a little bit about the decision to bring on a co-host because it's interesting. You know, when you get started, you feel like this is going to be your show and it's your yeah. baby and that's something uh-huh. you're going to be live with forever. And I'm curious about the decision making process or the thought process for how you think about something like that. Yeah. Oh, man, it has been a journey. So I first started talking with Raj about the meaning movement and had been on the show years ago. He's a story brand guide, a partner of a marketing and strategy, you know, um, branding agency. And so he thinks in these terms a lot. And so we'd kept up and kind of rekindled a, a friendship this past year and kind of out of some of that was just asking, having a lot of conversations about what the project is about, what the meaning is about, really trying to figure out how to grow in a lot of ways. And like, you know, my work with the meaning is just one piece of the things that I do. And this is even coming back to like the conversation around fulfillment and meaning, like, but it's like something I'm so passionate about. And also like, it has never been my primary income stream. It's been a piece of the business portfolio. And I've really always wanted it like more from it in that way and wanted to be able to, to justify giving it more time and attention, just haven't been able to get it there. And so we're talking a lot about that and helping to kind of identify some of the problems like of like, I don't have a really clear avatar or target listener, you know, demographic. So clarifying some of that and thinking through what does it look like to approach that question differently and create content differently. And also like, so even just some of his feedback, like sometimes like the show just sounds kind of lonely. Like it's just, you know, kind of, you a lot. And I'm like, it is. And it really does feel lonely. That's an interesting um, description of it. Or two yeah. Years. I was surprised to hear that, even though that is my felt experience. But like, I just figured that's just the life, you know, the life of the podcaster, you're behind the mic and you don't know what else is happening. But I think through that, like, just began to imagine like, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be like that. And how else could this look? So which started as co-host Raj and I having a series of build in public kind of style episodes about the project and about how I'm thinking about, you know, meaning and fulfillment and next you know, transitions with the podcast itself, which then has led to like, let's just keep doing this and kind of see where it goes. So yeah, so that's some of the, I mean, that's just a work in progress, but that's a very slow progression. It hasn't been like, oh yeah, let's do a co-host now. Yeah, I mean, once you start working with someone else, it's their whole experience, different personalities, the connection that you had with your guest, you're, you know, probably worried, you know, do you lose some of that magic? Do you gain new magic? Is it some alchemy that's the sum is greater than the individual parts? And then it's a lot of unknowns, but I guess to your point, you don't know until you actually try. So it'd be interesting. And like even more recently, I've been coming into this year, kind of reached this point of like, I'm just spread really thin and kind of need to take do some, make some adjustments. I'm not sure what's next with the podcast. And then Raj was just saying like, what if like in the next iteration of the podcast, you're not on all the episodes? And I was like, 
whoa. I mean, just kind of like this reframing, like you, what you said about like being a soul in a, in a body. It's like, whoa, yeah. I mean, you never <laughs> flip it that far. Like this is Mind the world blown, feels yeah. a little upside down right now. But also like, yeah, that kind of is healthy. Like this thing is, I mean, I hope the meaning of what I'm building here is bigger than just me. It's not just Dan's personal brand. And I think that could be really healthy. And so I expect that we'll have some of that in the future. But yeah, that's, that's you know, kind of a surprising reframe of content. I noticed in your LinkedIn that you had a couple of posts recently about this idea of having ADHD and how that's not necessarily a bad thing. And yeah. I resonate with that because I, uh, you know, shout out to my therapist who's been <laughs> helpful for me in my personal journey and my journey with my partner as well. And just this awareness of like things you don't see about yourself yeah. and things that you think sometimes are a detriment. Um, but actually are, it's just the, the way you're wired. This yes. concept of neurodivergence is like fascinating yes. for me. Like, oh yeah, 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 I get it. Okay. Now. So that explains a lot of like my previous behaviors. And so can you talk about what your experience and has been, you know, going down that yeah. path and, and exploring that? Yes. Yeah. It has been really liberating to like have new, have language to talk about, like to talk about, <laughs> I was going to say all my problems. Not my problems. It's just how I am in the world. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We need to reframe this. It's not necessarily problems. And again, Raj has been a great inspiration in this direction as well. Also, you know, when it comes to my kids, like thinking through, you know, some of them have some, like they're young, but also yeah. whether or not like they end up on that spectrum, like I'm not that concerned, but like just to think yeah. like, I see some of the struggles that they have with things like time. I've always struggled mm. with time. And, you know, a lot of neurodivergent people you have now, and then you have then there's nothing in between. And so then pacing is really hard. And that just like resonates so much with me. And also like, you see, it's reflected back to you so much in your kids, because it's just so much more raw and they haven't developed like the executive function that I've developed, even though I feel like I still have so many gaps. And it's just been really helpful to have more language, to have more stories, to hear other people's experiences and to like feel like the parts of me that don't make sense have a way of making sense, I think is the best way that I can say. Like when you look at it with that lens, it's like all those things that I've struggled with that like, you know, you tell yourself, make up all kinds of other stories about like now there's a story that I can tell, at least in myself. And I don't, I don't, you know. I try not to use it as a, you know, like, oh, I'm, I screwed up there because I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I take responsibility for my action. But at the same time, I can see like, okay, and I see how that is a result of, you know, that I struggle in these ways. And therefore, like, I need to bring some more support around myself to help, you know, do better in the future. Yeah, it's helpful. And I think the more we have these discussions out in the open, I think it's going to be helpful for people to feel comfortable, especially with an older generation, I think, where yeah. there was like a stigma attached to it. Or yes. an embarrassment or just not understanding what was happening and just yeah. acting yeah. in certain ways that you couldn't really explain. And so having language around that and being able to like talk through it has been extremely helpful for me. And the more yes. I see people talking about it, I, it was the post of one of my weekly newsletters that goes out every Saturday. I was like, hey, talking about ADHD, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. And it's just yes. like something that's more and more common. So that's what I you for, for talking about it as well. Yeah. I mean, and I think at its best, it's a superpower. Like we can get stuff done when we get, when you're obsessed about whatever it is, it's like crazy what can happen. And there's so many other ways. I feel like that's some of also like a bit of a, a connector. And like, I always love like bringing people together and I'm all so good at building communities and like all these things, even coming full circle here, like, you know, the youth ministry that I led was like an incredible space where all those kids that were a part of it, they'll each will tell you that how special that was. And I think like a part of it is just because of the way my brain works as weird as that is. 
And so all that's to say, there's so many other ways that having a, a neurodivergent way of being in the world makes things special. Yeah. It makes things challenging, but also brings a lot of magic. Yeah, I agree. So I want to talk a little bit about video snap, but prior to that, I want to talk about, I guess, your visual arts journey, because you were a photographer for quite yes. a bit as well. So can you talk yes. about, you know, let's talk about that path of your that journey. Piece? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Photography has been with me for a long time since I was a kid. And in college, you know, this is very much date myself, but like DSLRs, digital cameras are just like, had just come out. It was like very cool technology. So I bought one and then all of a sudden like, you know, film is free and so, and just accelerated. Like people today you know, who are grown up in the world of digital cameras, like you just take for granted how fast, one, how fast feedback is. You take a picture and you can immediately see the result. And two, like just how much cheaper it is because you can, you know, click that shutter as many times as you want and you're, you're, yeah. you're not having to pay, you know, 25 cents a click or whatever it is. So yeah, so started in college, you know, doing some photography and then kind of did it on the side through when I was a in youth ministry and then in grad school and after as I was starting the meaning movement and really kind of trying to, I don't know, actualize my desires to be an entrepreneur, started a photography company with my wife. So we were doing lots of portraits, weddings that iterated into still a lot of portraits, but a lot of corporate and business stuff, a lot of, you know, headshots and lifestyle, business lifestyle. It's so funny, like you asking me this question even today. This probably is the first time I've actually talked about it on a podcast interview because it's like I've tried not to be a photographer professionally for a long time, but it's like one of those things that like, yeah, like the business comes, like we'll still take it. And literally even just yesterday, I had a, did a shoot with this client we've had for like, I don't know, six years. And it's like so easy and the, like the money is good, but it's also like, that's not like my life is no longer optimized for this. And so my wife and I are always like, okay, like we're only making, you know, we're only doing like 10 or 20, you know, shoots a year or whatever. It's not that much. And we probably just need to just say like, that's money, but that's not the good money, you know? And yeah. that's kind of where we are, you know, right now with it. But for a long time, it was the staple, you know, the kind of the foundation, financial foundation of our household. While we we're building other things, as you know, building the meaning movement, my wife was building, she was an educator, she was building a piano studio at the time of students, and then we we're doing photography. So that's some of my story. Yeah, that's great. My partner's a photographer as well. She's been doing it for over 10 years and she recently gave up, stopped doing weddings. Yes. She had done over 300, but now she focuses more on like branding and uh -huh. storytelling, which yeah. is really lights her up a bit more. So I Super can fun definitely stuff. understand. Yeah. yeah. So talk about the origin story for VideoSnap. Yeah. So video snap, it's a bit of a scratch your own itch problem. And I'd love to get your thoughts on how you've thought about solving this problem, but um, trying to solve the problem of discoverability for podcasts, at least an additional way to solve that problem. You're recording these long form interviews and podcasts and knowing that growth is slow and hard. And like we've already talked about, there's other factors to that. Like I've probably not defined my target audience as well as I could have and all these other things. But wanting to just like get that good content out in front of more people and the format just makes it really hard for that audio, you know, doesn't necessarily do well on social. Everyone's on social, on the social channels. And so the first thing that we did was start recording video, then cutting out segments and making shorts and saw that the platforms were all moving towards shorts with the rise of TikTok, YouTube shorts more recently, you know, reels, stories, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is moving towards video shorts. And so I had on my team, a woman who was doing content for me, she would go through transcripts, pull out sections, go back to my editor, the editor would you know, give her those cuts, she would approve them, he would put captions on them, she would have to, you know, correct the captions because the grammar was, you know, 
well, all the things and back and forth and back and forth. And so after, you know, we're doing that for a while and seeing like lots of impressions. And I think that's, you know, it's hard to draw a straight line from any piece of social content back to, you know, a new listener. But what I can look at is how many people are watching those videos on social and by just consistently showing up on social, consistently putting content out there, not all of it gets engaged with, but it gets watched and you see those play counts, you know, that people are on the other side of that. And so seeing those results and wanting to figure out how can we streamline this both for myself and for other people. I haven't talked that much, I guess, about my software journey that has been in parallel with the meaning movement, but I've been in the software world for about the last seven years or so. And both running a video platform for that was held by a private equity firm and then launching a couple softwares. So I knew a lot about building product, partnered with a development team, 923.co, to build VideoSnap as a way to take what my team was doing, simplify it, and even improve it, make it better. And so that's kind of the origin story of it. The way the platform works is you upload a long form piece that can be either audio or video. So your long form piece of content, the software then transcribes it for you. You go and you just select the text of the section that you want to make into a short, click one button and the software breaks it into moments, puts text over video. If it's a video source, it'll start with that video, but then it'll cut to other B-roll footage that's sourced based on the conversation that's happening. So it's looking for keywords, looking for ideas, and then finding stock footage to match to make a very cool and engaging text over video style video that's more engaging than just a person talking. It's a person talking, then you're seeing other things that kind of fill out the story. And it does it all in just a few clicks, in just a few minutes. You can go from your source file to something ready to go on social. And I've seen some of these similar type services. Is it important that the post select the piece or is there an option also for like your team to like find yeah that's a great question so right now the person using the software does select the section and the reason being is we've played with other ways of doing it and played with those other tools and have always had disappointing results we are playing with like a done for you service but that would kind of be its own kind of separate thing so we're you know have our team that would just if you're interested in the software interested in what we're doing but you don't want to spend the time doing anything with it send us your footage and we'll do your shorts for you what's that journey been like as a entrepreneur software developer on top of all the different types of hats you're wearing you know i think people listening or watching might have questions about like how much time in the day? And maybe this ties back into the ADHD conversation. Oh, that totally ties back into the ADHD conversation. And I think that's one part of it is like, I have a little bit of entrepreneurial HD and that's, you know, I mentioned kind of going into this year that I felt like I was spread really thin. And that's been a kind of circling back to this idea of like, okay, what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? How am I defining success for myself so that I don't end yeah. up burned out? Because I have that tendency because I'm like, I love all these things. They're so cool. And I want them all to to exist. And so that's a discipline that I've had to develop is saying no. But yeah, I mean, just to speak to some of that, I mean, some of it is is like I have you know this trifecta of work, the meaning movement, building video snap, and then doing product work with 923. And of those, like right now, 923 is the primary income and the other two are, well, video snap is right now we're reinvesting everything back into the platform, back into building it. We're early. We only have, you know, 50 something users slowly growing that, but it takes time. And the meaning movement, I'm reinvesting a lot of what I make there. Um, the only monetization method, the only thing that I'm doing there as far as I guess there's some like affiliate links on my, from my site. I'm not even going to count those though, but I have an accelerator all all around, you know, helping entrepreneurs align their personal goals and their business goals. And so like some of the struggle of like, 
having, I don't know, a lot of passion, a lot of dreams, a lot of ideas is that like you can't build them all. And even especially when you have something that you're super passionate about, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be make enough money or make enough money as quickly as you want it to in order for it to be your main thing. That's been yeah. some of the journey with the meaning movement of like, I mean, I've been at this for like 10 years and it's, you know, there's been moments when it's been like, yeah, I'm going to focus on this right now. And then it's always come back like, okay, I'm not there or it's not there or we're not there together. <laughs> so yeah, but I think, you know, it's a matter of like, I need the synergy between them. And that's how I'm thinking about it a lot these days is that like, I'm the same person in all of these things. I think they do play together well, the way that I think about entrepreneurship and fulfillment and purpose and all these things with the meaning movement plays into how I think about product and how I come along founders that are building software and helping them think about how they're building their businesses. So they really do at their best, they play together. Like they're like kids, you know, they either play <laughs> yeah. together, they're best friends or they're kind of worst enemies. Yeah. So if we're having this conversation 12 months from now, what does success look like? Oh man, that is so good. Success looks like balance. I mean, there's some literal, like very tangible, like for me, like one of my goals is to get my family to a bigger house. We have three kids in a small house. Yeah. So like, that's one way that I'm thinking of like it's success in the next 12 months. That's one way I'm thinking about it. But even bigger than that is quality of life, like having some more time with my kids, having enough time mm -hmm. with my kids. I've been setting an intention every morning, like thinking through each of my kids and how can I love them better? And it, like, I know that that might sound very simple, maybe especially to non-parents out there, but like, it's really challenging, especially when like you're going one way, your kids are going another way, you know, like, unless you're intentional about it, you only have these like quick moments. And how are you going to use those moments to help your kid know that they're loved and that you're yeah. in their corner? And so like, that's the primary way that I'm thinking about success is that 12 months from now, if I can say that I'm loving my kids well, and I mean, all of it comes back to that, right? Because I was going to say, I'm not stressed out about business, but like, I don't think I can be stressed out about business and love my kids well, because when I'm stressed, it bleeds over and I'm mm. not kind, I'm not patient, you know, yeah. like the anxiety that I have in one area of life bleeds over to how I interact with them. And so that's a primary category for yeah. me. No, I just like the fact that you mentioned the uh, intentions and affirmations as mm -hmm. a guidepost, you know, for figuring out where you want to go and where you want to be. It's something that's been incredibly helpful in that critical part of my days when I yes. have the time to do them or <laughs> I remember to do them, but I notice that, you know, I try to follow my meditation with intentions and affirmations. And yes. I feel like I sense that those days feel like I get more done or I'm just charged up more. <laughs> yeah. When I think like just to have that, like, your thoughts, I really believe your thoughts create your reality. And so if I'm creating a reality in which a primary objective is to love my kids better, like there's no way that that could be bad. But yeah. I'm a big believer in it. Yeah. A couple of questions as we get close to wrapping up here. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? That's such a good question. Something I've been rethinking. Like I can't necessarily even say I've changed my mind, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've been in college. I made the decision to be a vegetarian. And like at this point in my life, I mean, that was a long time ago. I'm 40, just turned 40 this you know last year. So it's been a long time. And I'm not changing like, and that's partly ethical, partly environmental, partly, you know, health oriented. But as I've learned more about like factory farming, industrialization of farming, and like a part of it also is like with the kids, like it's easy to, to have like a black and white, like, yeah, we don't eat meat. And thinking about like, is that always the best choice for all the people involved in the food supply chain? This is probably getting deep into these <laughs> things. 
But I mean, I could say, honestly, if the choice is between industrial grown vegetables and humanely, regeneratively organic raised meat, like that's actually the better choice. So I guess it's kind of, again, bringing up this idea of like the gray areas and not the black and whites. But that's something that's kind of changing my thought process about it, changing how I talk about it with my kids to say that we eat plant-based instead of saying we're vegetarians, like we eat plant-based. It's a change. And yeah, that's what comes to mind. It's interesting because my partner and I, for the most part, are pescatarian, and but we've recently incorporated some meat that's actually from a company called Maui Nui, based out of Hawaii. Okay. And so it's, it's interesting because there's an overpopulation of there on that island. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard of that. Yeah, yes. created a system, and we're talking forty, fifty thousand a year, and so they've got a plan to cull down the population, but they use sharpshooters. So it's one shot kill. Yeah. So throughout the life of the deer, they're never stressed. Yes. And not even at the point, you know, they're not aware that they've they've just been like, you know, they've lived a good life (laughs) and they dress the animals on site. So from a freshness perspective, you get a subscription box and there's different cuts. And, you know, we've been having that for a couple of months now. And I'm telling you, like, as a, I grew up eating meat and you just have a piece of that and you're like, whoa, it's just like amazing. Yes. (laughs) And you feel good about what the company's doing. So it's in alignment with what you were talking about. I love it. It's a great example. I feel like I need to like, you know, instead of just saying, yeah, let's just like, yeah. Throw all that out and like, and it's a simple, it's a convenient choice, but convenient just does not necessarily mean it's the right choice. And yeah. so that's kind of where I'm rethinking. And meat should be expensive. I think we've grown up yes. in a world of 99 cent hamburgers and we think like that's normal. Absolutely. It probably should not be that way. <laughs> Absolutely. I've just been reading. So the two resources related to this, one is the Carbon Almanac, which is a book that um, Seth Godin organized and I'm a volunteer with the Carbon Almanac Network which is all about you know having more conversation and helping people see the actions that we can take around sustainability. That's been a, like just seeing the subsidies around industrial agriculture, particularly around meat is astounding. And then I've also been just listening to Yvonne, what's his name? Schweinard from Patagonia, the founder of Patagonia, his book, Let My People Go Surfing from 2015 or so. And it's just an incredible book all about the values that he's built his company around. And, but he's talking about farming and one section in that and then saying that like, if without subsidies, if there were no subsidies at all to any farming, an organic farm would be like organic food would be cheaper than the food that we eat currently that's you know gmo and um, industrialized which is just crazy to me and like it's never like put it in those terms like how responsible the government is for the problems in the food supply chain yeah i agreed last question what is the most misunderstood thing about you and these are such good questions (laughs) i knew you'd have some good ones for me today misunderstood thing about me Hmm. there's so many different directions i go with this but the place I go with it is I have a very hard time feeling like the people in my life that I know in real life, <laughs> not online, yeah. understand who I am because I feel like I can have a conversation with someone like you. I feel like you get it. Like you get mm-hmm. the journey, you get the struggle, you get like yeah. the, all those pieces. And it's really hard to feel like my friends, the people that I spend time with outside of my office. <laughs> get this. I'm curious if you have a similar experience or I'm curious how other people maybe, maybe similarly, like, is the, no, is the solution because, just uh, find more, find more yeah. people like you to hang out with in real life? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's it. It's opening. I'm new to the Minneapolis area where I live. I didn't grow up here. My, my partner's from here. So none of my friends are here. And I moved here in late 2019. So I went through two years of 
you know, the George Floyd riots oh, and COVID. Man. And so oh, just man. now, right. just now discovering yeah. like this city and so getting out of my comfort zone, my comfort zone, I think I'm a situational extrovert. I like to go to podcast yeah. conferences and I'll be the life of the party. But like once that's over, I'm like back in my shell. And, yes, <laughs> and I think yes. I'm coming to grips with that as I get older and you know, thought I was more extroverted, but it's just really situational. So, but yeah, just finding the people who understand the entrepreneurial journey who can relate to it. And so I attended like a nice in-person mastermind like a, a week ago, two weeks ago. And I was just like, yeah. oh, cool. There's people I can actually yeah. shake hands with, not yeah. just on the other side of a screen that are going through this as well. So I think to your yes. point, it's helpful to get out of our own bubble sometimes and push ourselves out of that comfort zone to make those connections. Yeah, I love it. It's great hearing your journey with it. And man, what a crazy time to arrive in Minneapolis, you know, with what a journey yeah. you've been on. Yeah, it's been interesting. So yeah, hopefully we can swap places and then I'll give you the whole story. I'd love it. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Some good fodder for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for reaching out. And I know sometimes I don't do as good of a job of like seeing what's out there in the world. There's so many podcasts and so many podcasters you can't really tell sometimes just by seeing a face. So I appreciate yeah. And thank you for making that connection. I'm really honored to have you share your story. I think we've covered all the bases, I think. Oh, man, Faith, this is photography, yeah, this entrepreneurship. Awesome. <laughs> we've done it all. <laughs> we've done it all. And I appreciate you being, being vulnerable and sharing your story. I think it's going to help a lot of folks. So, you know, thanks again. And I'm looking forward to having folks connect with you. So what's the best place for them to do that? I love it. Well, first, I just want to say you know, thank you so much for just asking such good questions. It's been such a fun conversation. For folks that are interested in VideoSnap, you know, and what I'm doing there, just go to videosnap.io. Wherever you're listening to this, you can check out my podcast, The Meaning Movement. I've been writing a lot on LinkedIn, as you mentioned, you know, about burnout, neurodivergence, ADHD, a lot about pacing, balance, and the entrepreneurial journey. So would be happy to, to connect with people there. And if there's anyone thinking about software building stuff, I'd love to build some stuff with you. So that's at 923.co. We'll make sure all those links are in the show notes as well. So folks don't have to go track them down. Thanks again for your time, Dan. I really appreciate it. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Dan for coming on the show and sharing his story, being vulnerable and allowing us to connect on a personal level, which is what I'm looking for in these conversations. Life's too short to not connect on a more meaningful level. And that's what I'm looking for with each one of these conversations, each one of these interviews. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Learn more at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget, we write full show notes, summaries, timestamps, takeaways from these episode resources mentioned. You can find all of that at podcastjunkies.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Vocaster lineup. You can learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster. Podcast production marketing provided by Focast. Learn more at Focast.co. As mentioned at the top of the show, tune in next week for my conversation with Timothy Kimo O'Brien, longtime fan of the show. Great conversation. I know you're going to love that one as well. And if you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with hashtag MeaningDan in support of his Meaning Movement podcast. Tag us podcast underscore junkies and Dan at Dan Cumberland. All one word. Thanks for all you do to support this show. Talk to you next week.